Previously on Gresh and Fourier. I like to feel threatened, and then I perform. So when you yell at me, it just makes you try harder. Oh, my God. There's such a line there. If you yell at me, I perform. Yeah, yell at me. Make me feel dirty. So your wife yells at you? Christian, you need to clean up the dishes. Now oh. get in here for some rough sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about the trash. What, yep, right. Tell me how badly I, I forgot to take the trash out. You suck at tying up the trash. Oh, yeah. It all flew all over the street, and everybody's yelling at us. Yeah. Spank me. This is Gresh and Fourier. And the Bruins are the second fastest team to 35 wins in a season in NHL history. They have done it in 44 games, surpassed only by the 1930 Bruins, who did it in 40. Andy Gresh. And that whole series was intense. You know, and to lose obviously means a stain on everybody's memory. So we go into a new year and on you reminded of all the pain that you might have, you know, the disappointment. So you come out and you want to overcome all of that. But, you know, the reality is you remember it, you learn from it, you grow from it, but you let it go. Christian Fourier. Adam Malcolm Brogdon was huge for them. Um, he, he's the perfect fit for that team. Um, you know, combo guard, big, strong guy, so excellent defensively, shoots it well. Um, so I think they're I think they're better this year than they were a year ago. Gresh and Fourier right now. All right, well, they also uh, interviewed Nick Cayley today. How do you feel about that, Kern? He was right there! He was right there! And we had to watch that stuff all year long. On WEEI. Here we go on a Thursday. It is Gresh and Fourier with you. We got some Patriots to get to, obviously. A little more uh, OC talk. The Red Sox might be busting a move for yet another outfielder that I don't know how they're going to get into the lineup, but Foyer, hello. we start today with the, uh, well, the the continual good news that mm. is the Boston Bruins. Bruins went on the road last night, beat the Islanders 4-1, to and to me, Christian, it was really a tale of of two games. Yeah, you play 60 minutes of hockey, but if you break it down to the first 30 and the second 30, I thought there was a big difference between the way the Bruins were able to kind of get on track in the second half of the game. They salted away up 3-1. They get a power play opportunity. They get that fourth goal. Not that they necessarily needed it, but as uh, as they mentioned on the broadcast, I think it was uh, Brick who said, good to see the killer instinct, mm-hmm. right? They had him down, and then they just stuck the knife right yeah. in the heart of the Islanders mm-hmm. and come away with a win. Now, they are going to play against the Rangers tonight in Manhattan, but Bees did what they needed to last night, and Linus was great once again. Yes, he was, and yeah, I get it. You know, they, the, the problem with a lot of these teams is they just don't have enough gas. So they can come out determined, dedicated. Let's go. Let's okay. This is the standard. Let's go get it. So they come out on fire, and you're like, all right, just hold on, just wait. They'll run out of gas. Oh, you'll adapt and you'll figure out their weakness. Or they won't be. Oh, they'll miss an opportunity to to kind of like build a nice little lead or get some padding because the killer instincts third period is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Is a real thing. But that's that's. I feel like all these are givens now. At this point, in time. I feel like. This personality of this team, these are all given. Their ability to score goals in the third period, the ability to overcome like these rushes and these this these energy, you know, lines that come in and try to like, you know, steal a steal a goal or two. These are all givens at this point in time. What I heard yesterday is specifically from uh from from Linus mm-hmm. was just the first sign 
of the mental challenge that exists now. Like the first sign uh, of just, okay, what it's really like going through this run, which feels like an undefeated season in football. It feels like, yeah, five losses, okay? And I want to see if you can grab it for me real quick, um, Turp, because this was Linus last night after the game on how unique this season is. I think you put it pretty spot on. It has been overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. It has been a different kind of a season, definitely. And it's taken a lot of me mentally to, you know, keep going, not be kind of satisfied because it's hard. Uh, you know, if you've had the luxury now at half of the season to be at this point, then, you know, usually you're at this point at the end of the season. So, you know, I, I have a lot of gratitude towards all the boys in here that go to work every single night. So kudos to them. Okay, so... For me, Gresh, it stood out because eventually when the season is finally over, all these guys, all the boys are going to admit how challenging it was finding a new reason to go out on the ice and prove that they're the best. Like in the third period when Bergeron got hit, he yes, came back. Yes. The, all the guys on the bench and after the game were like, yo, we wanted to go get one for him. And by the way, it was him taking a, a shot from Pasta off the face. But when he came back out and he had the thing plugging his nose because he was bleeding all over, that's where the rest of those guys was like, captain, my captain. Yes, it is It is amazing. They just, because this, this is the middle of the season, past the halfway point, and it's, you wonder where they get the motivation where it keeps coming up and and this was interesting to me because whether you like it or want to believe it or not i do like to read books and there is a book that i am reading right now and it is called grit does it have a lot of pictures no actually zero pictures i'm very wow. disappointed but it's it's all about what makes people great you may think it's talent but really they did this whole study you know they went to west point they found out like what candidates like what uh you know new enrollees you know, bail out after the first month and what makes the other guy stay. And they determined it was great. That's just a quick synopsis of it, but it's an excellent book. And there's a, in the first chapter, they talked about being satisfied with being unsatisfied. And I thought that was, you know, significant because the college and the football, football term is like being comfortable with being uncomfortable, putting yourself in uncomfortable positions. So when that harrying, crazy opportunity comes up, you're comfortable with it. It's not the first time you see it. So this is Linus Omar kind of almost like validating that. Listen, like you can't be satisfied because he's. It's almost like they have to convince themselves to be satisfied being unsatisfied. Like, how can this not be good enough? That is what I think about. Like the psychology that goes into this season to me is so intriguing. Forget about the rushes and the speed and the puck moving and all that stuff. That's a given. That is a given. Now we know they can do that. How do they make it to the playoffs without saying "ho hum, done it, already been there"? I'm hurt. I need a day off. They keep fighting through. There's no need for Bergeron to be back in that game. Zero need for him to be back in the game. What does it prove? Are we piling on now? So to me, that was the first sign from a goalie who just had his 100th win, who was what is it, the big part of the reason why you're winning. 24-2-1 this year, Linus. It's amazing. Yeah. So the stress that comes with it, like eventually you think, okay, I, when, is, when is it going to end? When am I going to become human again what am i gonna like you know turn into a normal person he isn't and to me you can just hear it in his voice which is weird because his voice doesn't sound like it belongs to that body maybe that's a whole nother thing you would think you hear his voice you go that should be in a bigger tougher body but it isn't whatever it's fine uh but that's that is my take on that game and i think that's the story 
that I will be paying attention to more than puck movement well, and like power play lines. Off of what you just mentioned, that ties into tonight. You got a back to back against a Rangers team that look is uh, is plucky. They have definitely been problematic at times for the Bruins. And to your point, it's that mentality. And that, you know, when you hear Linus after the game talk about, hey, if I have a day where I'm not there, Marshan's on my ass. Like, there is a deeper discussion of this that I want to get to because you have been on championship teams. And I think there's one word that is normally associated with championship teams that people do not talk about enough. And it's accountability, but it's not the accountability that you think. It's not coach to player, it's player to player. And we need to unpack that because I think that is a big part of where the Bruins are kind of uh, heading this season. Bruins will play uh, at MSG tonight against the Rangers. We'll talk about it all with Andrew Raycroft at 11 o'clock. He'll break down not only last night's game, but some of that stuff because I think it is a fair question to ask. How do they stay motivated? How do you, in the words of the great Jerry Seinfeld, how are you the dirt farmer dangling the carrot in front of the donkey to keep them <laughs> motivated? Can the uh, can Jim Montgomery do that and maybe the different ways that you can do that? Don't forget you can listen to us on the Odyssey app. And, of course, good morning to the Twitchers, twitch.tv slash WEEI. Follow WEEI on Twitch, and you can watch Christian staring at himself while doing the show. And, of course, tonight it is the rematch over dun, at the dun, Garden. Dun. Oh, here man. it is. You is Draymond Green. Make sure don't curse at all. Oh, that's right. They, they got virgin ears. They never heard no cursing before. You know, everything is now on your app for your phones or on your, like on your tickets and all that stuff. I'm sure the Celtics are going to have to send out, you know, whenever you like download your ticket or when it scans, it says, now this message from the Golden State Warriors. Don't yell at us tonight because we can't handle it. Do I need my shoes and things? It's like, come on, guys. Know what you're walking into. And how about this? Jalen Brown might be a go. He practiced yesterday. Here is what JB said after his workout. Personally, I think from the organization side, it's no. From me side, is yes. I think uh, that tomorrow you know, it could be a big win. Um, for us to continue to keep keep things rolling, we got seven in a row. You know, we want to keep trending upwards, trying to create a little bit of separateness from the rest of the you know, East and the rest of the league. But from the organizational side, there's no incentive for them to give it back. Um, tomorrow, they want to make sure that I'm just healthy overall in general. But uh, if I can go, I'm going. So JB was like, listen, from an organization standpoint, they may not view it the same way as I do to Jalen Brown. There is that, and it's a little bit of what we talked about with Linus Olmark and the Bruins, personal pride. He wants to get out there. Jalen Brown's playing tonight. Yeah. Unless, the fact tell, that unless the organization says no, to me, Jalen's playing after it, listening to how that. Does it, how does it usually work, in your opinion, or based on you know following the team? Is it like, so with the, with the Patriots, it is if a guy that has been hurt suddenly starts talking to the media, he's active, mm-hmm. he's playing. Like they don't let them talk. They, even if they don't tell them to, they know they're not allowed to talk to the media because they're they have nothing to do with the game plan because they're not practicing. Guy starts talking, you know he's playing. Jalen Brown haven't really heard from him in a while. He starts talking, probably going to be playing, probably going to be active. He's in tonight, I think. And and look, when you think about the matchup, I mean, this is if you were to build like a a pay per view fight card of games, yeah. right? Celtics Warriors would be at the top 
if not damn near at the top. And I think this is, you know, this is important for tonight, Jason Tatum. Why? This is maybe the one game where the nation is going to be watching, and it's against a guy that even his own coach, Steve Kerr, called uh, Steph Curry the modern-day MJ. You're going to get inside. Wow, high you're praise. Gonna, you're going to get inside the really? NBA. You're gonna, all the, this is a pomp and circumstance game, which means a lot of the rubes who do not pay attention other than just, you know, oh, let me look at my numbers on a piece of paper to see who I'm going to vote for for MVP. This is going to be one of those games where if the Celtics come out and say they win by five and Tatum's got 35 and has an amazing night, there's going to be a lot of memory burn for the lazy MVP voters that this is the kind of game that, that can stick in their mind hmm. and that they'll remember. Interesting. I did not hear that. Modern-day MJ? He called him the modern-day really? MJ. Well, they were at the White House yesterday. Oh, it was Golden State. They all showed up, right? Well, uh, they all I came think this so. time. They all went this time. They all, they, I don't know what happened before. <laughs> Who's the I'll president tell you now? now. Uh, I don't know why. Bus might have got lost when I was in office. No, but they, so they were at the White House yesterday. And we will get into story time with Christian Fourier on White House visits as well. But, of course, it is Celtics Golden State tonight. Am I overstating the whole uh, big one for Jason Tatum in terms of the MVP race considering the opponent? We had so much to get to. The Red Sox are apparently going to add another outfielder. Where, where they're going to play this guy, I have no idea. Uh, a couple different layers of the uh, Patriots offensive coordinator search to get to. Andrew Raycroft at 11. We will get to the lunchtime parlay. Uh, two for two last night in the parlay. And Fourier. Hey, we I told you. Round of applause you. for Fourier. He got his first pick right. I told you. In the lunchtime parlay. I told you. Ladies and gentlemen. I told you. Like, this is like the the, the foyer guarantee. Oh, here we go. When I tell you it's going to win, it's going to win. Sure. Now you're inflating his ego. Yeah, no. He's inflating his own ego. How can you do it when it's facts? That was your first win, right? I didn't realize I was first First time that I actually really wanted to win. Oh, I that I didn't, there's real, a difference. I didn't realize I was, was working with Roberto Luongo over <laughs> yeah. here. Oh, I play when I want to play yeah. or pump my tires yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Someone in radio thought David Lee Roth would be a great morning oh, show. Man. I just let that every time I hear the song, all I can think of is the video of this because of the MTV days. I remember. I think I was actually living here when that happened. When Howard Stern, like, because it was a Howard, he replaced Howard Stern. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, all right, let me just tune in real quick. And it was so horrendously bad. It was like so. It was like the. It was just him. Just he was, rambling. He was every bit as bad on the radio as he was good as the front man of Van Halen. It's crazy. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, he was. It was such a, there was such a gap 
between between the two it's like, peaks and valleys. So like, this ginormous peak and this unbelievable like bottom that just I don't think anyone thought it was like realistic, but he hit it. Well, a la Stern back in the day, flipping the finger to radio. To me, that is what William Hoodsworth Belichick Sr. is doing right now to the Rooney rule and this hiring process for offensive coordinator. So, folks, explain. Okay, because so here's the thing. So, I, I, this, must, I must have missed this scratch real quick. The Rooney rule, I thought, was only for head coaches. No. Did, and they changed no, it, it's correct? For, it's for coordinators, yes. head coaches, GMs, yeah. all that. In fact, Rand Carthon, who was an assistant general manager, I do believe, in San Francisco, is now going to be the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. So now San Francisco gets, I do believe it's either one or two third-round picks, and that was all a part of it. And no, there is a process through all of this. Whereas I think Bill Belichick would just like to go, I'm going to hire Bill O'Brien and that's it. They have to go through this song and dance, which Bill Belichick probably should do anyway. Interview some people outside the organization, and if you talk to other people, it then further cements why Bill O'Brien would be the right guy. So now what this has turned into are, let me ask you this. Okay. Of all the offensive coordinator candidates that we could have come up with the day after the season, would you have thought a guy in-house who did not get the call plays Mm -hmm. gets an interview? Yeah. And did you think that it would be two friends of Bill who are in two completely different places where, hell, even you, noted NFL or Christian Fourier, mm-hmm. you didn't know how far Keenan McCardell went back with Bill Belichick and Adrian Clem, who was a Steelers O-line coach and did spend time in the NFL, that an O-line coach would get it. It's like when Mike Tice was in Minnesota getting getting uh, OC interviews. He was at his core. He's an O line coach. So this is to me, Bill Belichick interviewing three people that you have a better chance of getting the job over them. Yeah, there is. Um, and it he goes, is flipping it, the bird to the whole process. Well, do you wait? Do you think this is him acting out, or do you oh. think this is him just checking the box? Hey, you they know tell what it me, is. They tell me I have to do it. I know already. This is the same situation. I think a lot of teams have. Like, listen, they. I already know the guy that I want. I've already had a preliminary conversation with him or through one of his handlers, and this mm-hmm. is a guy I want. But the NFL says we have to do X, Y, and Z. So, you know what? I'm going to bring in Adrian Clem, who's been all over the place, college and the pros. Yeah. Uh, actually, I feel like he got in some trouble at Arizona State. I got a cosign on oh, that to was make he, sure. Oh, uh, was he, he a part of that issues. group that he, got thrown he had, out he of there? He had issues with something that he was doing in college, like recruiting issues. The Herm right? Edwards deal. Um, and uh, so it looks to be like one of those up-and-coming, you know, like future, you know, offensive line coaches. But, again, a play caller. Get out no, of here. Not, no, he's just he I thought he was just the old line coach. No, he is. That's what I'm saying, is that you're you're interviewing here to be the play caller, and on the whole, he has been the O line coach pretty much wherever he's been. Yeah. Which means you you this know is business is this is business as usual, in my opinion. Business as usual for whom? Because when I all coaches. Be, so, all of them. So wait a minute. So you think now hang on. There is a difference between picking a head coach because the owner is involved in that. But filling coordinator spots are normally the responsibility of the head coach. Mm -hmm. And then obviously they run it by the owner and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So do you think that most coordinator searches are a sham? 
Because that is what this is shaping up to be. This is not going to be like when Mike Tomlin got the interview with the Pittsburgh Steelers and then it became, oh, my God, this guy's brilliant. We got to hire this guy. And he, in part, got that interview because of the Roonies and the way they viewed things. I think the Rooney rule might have even been in effect back then whenever Tomlin got that job or some version of it. But basically, Bill Belichick, to your point, Christian, He's checking boxes, but you know what he's doing? He's doing it with the grin and the look of your mischievous kid. <laughs> okay. For those of you who are parents out there, if you you may not have a flock of them like Christian does. I've only got two that are stepkids, but you know, your friend might have a friend within his group of people that he hangs out with who is Sort of the mischievous one. They got that little look on their face every once in a while. Or you say something and you're around them and they think of something that they want to say, but they don't say it because it's like the, oh, I'm not going to be disrespectful, but it's in them. It's a gene. It's a part of who they are. This is exactly what Bill Belichick is doing. He is interviewing three people while basically saying, bleep you and flipping them the bird because we know they're going to land on Bill O'Brien. So he's doing both Christian. To me, he looks like the guy who was like, well, I'm following the process. And uh-huh. that is my point. And, and to he's, me, it, it, he's walking the line. Well, and to me, that is business as usual. To me, that is what every single coach does. So that's why it doesn't surprise me. It's almost like, okay, so you're telling me I have to do this, and I'm going to do it. And maybe, you know what, maybe one of these guys wows me. And I'm like, wow, I didn't I didn't know you had this kind of experience. I didn't know you thought this way. I didn't know you could understand the flow of a game. I'm really impressed with you. Bam. Maybe I should consider him. And you know what? Maybe I can control him a little bit more. I don't think any of that. I don't think they're at the stage right now where they're willing to gamble. So I do think it's all BS. I don't believe they have any intention of hiring any of these guys whatsoever, but neither do some of the other teams who are doing the same thing. I already listen. It's but such I don't a small think, community, though, Gresh. You know, I, it's like it's like it's such a small community. Everybody knows everybody. Right. They recycle coaches like crazy. So you think Todd Bowles already knows know who he wants to be as offensive coordinator in Tampa yes. since since Byron left, which is gone. Yes. yes, and it'll be reflective in who they interview. Well, I think some guys maybe. I would say Bill has a tendency to to throw it more in your face as other ones do. Like Bill will sit there and go, to me, this situation is obvious. Yeah, he is. So there is a a hint of like, I'm going to throw it in your face. But to me, the other guys, maybe maybe the other coaches are a little bit more subtle. Maybe they're a little bit more, you know, cryptic with it. He doesn't care. So he brings in Adrian Clem, Keenan McCardell, and then he brings in Nick Cayley, who's in the building anyways, who he had in his building last year, who if he was a candidate this year, why was he a candidate last year? So what did he learn? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. My thing is like, hell, everybody does it. But to the point, if he was a candidate, if if he's a candidate this year, what did he learn? Well, how much better is he now after being under those two boots? He learned what not to do. Okay, yeah, exactly. I tell you what, I'm not going to tell you what I know. I'm going to tell you what I what not to do now because I learned from the best. Hey, here's if I'm going to build like a book, if I want to build like a game plan of what not to do, all you have to do is follow the lead of the last two guys. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if that's fair because they don't know what they're they're in those positions last year. So I don't get bent out of shape maybe as much as you do with the way he's doing it. Because that's typical Bill. It's textbook Bill. But this is over the top because it's all people 
who you would never. That's it, too. Never give an interview to yeah. to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Hey, here's the latest. Josina Anderson via her Twitter. I'm told Cardinals associate head coach and wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson is interviewing for the Patriots OC job on Friday per a league source. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Patriots now, associate. Is that a, now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Didn't the Cardinals fire their head coach? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they got a petulant baby quarterback out there. Mm-hmm. And this is the wide receivers coach. And the wide receivers are supposed to be the bee's knees across yeah. the NFL. Yeah. And look at that wide receiver group. <laughs> you mean to tell me that there couldn't have been? Like, is Sean Jefferson going to get an interview to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Or are they going to interview him to maybe be the OC? Now they might have to because Bill threw it in there. But come on now. If we're going to be real about this, there are now four guys interviewing for this job where there is a better chance that we go streaking naked across the quad than they get it. Unless Bill O'Brien removes himself, then it's a little different. Now that would be interesting because then, you know what, if Bill O'Brien removed himself from consideration... The what if they're going to turn to one of those? Have, he would have to start all over again. Then it would be. Then he'd have then, egg on his face. Then he would. Yeah. So he knows Bill O'Brien's already yeah. going to take this job. I believe that, which too. is why these guys are getting interviews. And look, this isn't meant to be disrespectful to the people that are being interviewed. We're just being realistic about this. There are some guys that, to your point, Christian, in terms of the sham interviews, like for head coaching, I think they're trying to clean that up because that gets on the radar of more fans. In terms of coordinators, you know, if they had to hire a special teams coordinator, they're going to go through this process too. Are they going to talk to, you know, oh, we'll re-interview Cam Acord and then we'll bring in Joe Judge and then, oh, yeah, here's the Ventrone brother that's helping out at Villanova and we'll interview him and then somebody that he knows and then we, like, that's, and, and I'm surprised that's not a name on the list, by the way. Well, I mean, seriously, like Bubba Ventron yeah. got a head coaching inter- <laughs> yeah. interview in Indianapolis. But it, it feels like this is the, all right, I'm going to follow. It's it, Here's what I'm it is. I'm just following protocol because he they tell me I have to do it. That's why when but he comes up to, to the he, podium, he puts the mic down. But he doesn't say it like that. It's the, yes, boss, I'm following all your rules. So at, at what point in time, so... See, to me, this is interesting because I don't think Bill has the leeway to play this game anymore. I feel like they, this is like uh, this is old school Bill, successful Bill, Super Bowl winning Bill, where you, you here's this all the rules and, and you spit into you spit right in the face of the rules and you tell them, well, well, you know what? I'm circumventing the rules. I found a loophole with the rules. You're telling me what to do. I'm going to follow your rules, but I'm going to do it just as much as I have to. And if you get pissed and angry about it, so what? I'm following the rules. You made the rules. Don't get mad at me for following the rules. That, to me, is the Bill right, attitude. Right. right? Hey, what, why are you so bent out of shape? Right. I'm just following the rules. Wait, you made the rules, right? I did what you wanted. So it becomes a real condescending, shut up, yeah. all up in your face. Yeah. So that, but, it's but, but that is winky. Bill. I'm fi- that is Bill, though. It's always been Bill. He's never been... I guess he's never tried to hide that aspect of it. It's almost like I feel like sometimes he takes pride in the fact and he chuckles mm-hmm. when he does it. Brazen. Right? Yeah. It's like, what are you gonna do? I'm following the rules. We all know. And it. then they change the rules. And then he and then he'd like and then he kind of circumvents the rules again. Yeah. He lives on the edge of the rules. 
right? Because he j- it's a it's a constant f you to the rules, that's to yep. the commissioner, to that. He's always been that way because he knows who he's hiring. Yeah. I think we know it is fait accompli that it's just a matter of time before Bill O'Brien is the guy, and that's a part of the reason why I think Bill can feel comfortable enough as we kind of stumbled on to go to the fobs and bring in those guys. Now I see in the Twitch chat. And I see in text 37937, well, they're interviewing these people for uh, other jobs in the organization. Mm. Let me run this by you. Okay. Adrian Clem is, uh, I do believe, what, associate or assistant head coach, whatever it is, and he's the O-line coach, whatever his title is out there. Oregon? At Oregon. You know how much he's Uh, making next year? I'm going to say, hold on, uh, at Oregon, um, I'm going to say at least seven hundred, eight hundred and fifty thousand, and with bonuses, he can go over a million dollars. So for all the people who are like, well, they're interviewing him for a job that probably pays about four or five hundred grand, and and he had one already in the NFL with the Steelers, so and the the same thing's coming up with Keenan McCardell. Now, if Keenan McCardell is a wide receivers coach in Minnesota. For him to be able to get out of that contract, if he has, say, a multi-year deal or a two-year deal, I do believe the way it has to go is for him to be able to get out of that, you got to get a promotion. So you're either coming here to be uh, the offensive coordinator or an assistant head coach, or it's just whizzing in the wind for those who think that Bill is interviewing these people to ultimately bring them in, in my opinion. Nick Cayley, by the way, is a guy that he can keep. Let's see if that happens. Because if, if the people are tying into, well, these other people are coming in because Bill might pluck them. Okay, well, let's see what happens with Nick Cayley. Yeah, there is there is absolutely a go f yourself in in this whole process yes. because I don't know if Adrian Clem has ever even called plays. I don't think he's ever called plays. I don't know. I'm just looking at his every spot he's been at, starting in 2008 as a graduate assistant at SMU, and then elevated to offensive line coach and then recruiting coordinator, and then he was at UCLA for a year, same title, then associate head coach again. I mean, he's only been an offensive line coach. Only been an offensive line coach. He's never coached quarterbacks. He's never been a quarterback. I don't know if he has any kids that play the quarterback position. You know, so I just, it is. It, that's it, the one. Me, but that's the thing. It is, it is it, to me, it's like as much, as much as things change, they stay the same. This is textbook bill. Yep. Let me grab a guy that I that I that I drafted back in the old Cleveland days that I really respected when I cut when I called defenses and when I played against him, whether he was with Jacksonville or wherever he was, right? I was in Tampa for a hot minute, something like that. And let me grab a guy that I stepped over last year and didn't even give any respect to, didn't even give a chance to, didn't even like humor him. I just said, dude, just take care of the tight ends. We have enough issues. I'll worry about the offensive court. It's typical Bill Belichick. Like movement. Mm-hmm. The greatest part about this, and part of me secretly hopes this happened, is if somebody else comes in and snatches up Bill O'Brien, and then he's actually going to have to add more people to this list. He's he may have to hire one of these guys, but he won't. He's not hiring Adrian Clem. Clem's no. going to take a visit. Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Wow, man. What about the good old days when we wanted to? But woo, this is great. Hey, uh, you recruited uh, the kid who uh, you know you recruited the kid from Northwestern. Tell yes. me about him. Yes, I'm pick thinking about his, drafting you'll him. You'll pick his brain a little That's, bit. That, hey, they do that all the time. Hey, we'll we'll, we'll fly in on the private yeah. jet. What's your what's your favorite meal? What would you like to yeah. have on the jet? It's a Chick Fil A. We'll load it up for you. Whatever. <laughs> um, but in the event that Bill O'Brien does bail, right? Yeah. Number one, 
I have not heard, other than Carolina, I don't know Bill O'Brien's interviewed for any of the open head coaches. I haven't even heard his name, to be honest with you. I thought Carolina was going to kick the tires on him, but I could be wrong. But here are the other open OC jobs, okay? okay? But watch, and, and you tell me if they're okay. better than here. Washington Commanders. Uh, I'm not sure. The, <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. The no, Los, actually, no. The absolutely Los, no. The Los Angeles Rams. Uh, no. What are you you're gonna go no. there to be the OC to do what? Watch Sean McVay no. uh, call no, plays. You're, you're Eric Bieniemy. New York Jets. If you're Bill O'Brien, you want to go to the Jets? Uh, intriguing because I, I like the organization and I like the head coach, and I think I'm going to probably get a new quarterback, and because I can't fix Zach Wilson. If that quarterback is Tom yeah, Brady, a strong defense. Yeah, that 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 is does to that be change determined. things for I don't, Bill I don't mind the Jets. I don't mind the Jets. There's obviously the Patriots, Titans, no, Chargers, no. So I would find it you're, hard because you're, you're mentioning like uh, you know head coaches who are already running their own system. Yeah, They're, well, like Brandon Staley yeah, has to no. hire an offensive coordinator, yeah. but if you're Bill O'Brien, now it's two ways you can look at that. You're gonna look at it as the OC and be like, "Hey, I'm a former head coach. I'm gonna step away because this guy's an idiot." And you know maybe that is appealing. And of course, you got Justin Herbert. But then again, I don't know how many real interviews Bill O'Brien has had just to go be an offensive coordinator because all five of those teams outside of the Patriots and need no C all have head coaches. But to your point, they run a system. Now, yeah, I think I, with the Jets and the Titans, if they knew that maybe Tom Brady was coming along, okay, then maybe Bill O'Brien might park yeah, up. Yeah, who can you bring with you? I looked at it as more of a, you know, with all the head coaching jobs that are, that are going to be open – it does somehow like something change and somebody says, Listen, we want you for our head coach. Like we we it's because the different. jobs that are open, I feel like that would be the only thing. He's not I don't think he'll go anywhere else as an offensive coordinator other than the Patriots. He's gonna try to the, coach only Kyler thing, Murray. the only thing I think that would somehow trip them up, trip the Patriots up, where they kinda oh god, get get caught with their pants down, is if one of these owners says, you know what? Now that I think about it, I want you to be our head coach. Now, forget about it. I'll go someplace else. Mm -hmm. That would be the only – I think that's the biggest challenge because anywhere else is a lateral move in my book. I would I would agree. And there's the comfort of being here and knowing that Bill might not get fired, but eventually he is going to walk away. Follow us on Twitter, Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I. Get us on Instagram, Gresh and Fourier. And, well, according to social media, the Red Sox are about to add – Another outfielder and a pitcher of theirs is drawing some interest. We'll get to that next. W-E-E-I. Love W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I. New England Sports Original. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Gresh and Fourier. On W-E-E-I. Rymel Tapia up for the third time. Sends a drive to deep center, but where is it? And it's over, way over the head of Duran, who never saw it. He never saw it. Tapia around third, heading home. And inside the park, grand slam for Rymel Tapia. Remember that, Red Sox fans? Jaron Duran standing there looking up. Where'd like, it go? Looked like he was praying. He was like, let me throw my hands out to the Lord and look to the sky and hope that I remember to run after a ball that 
hits the center field wall. So um, you guys catch fly ball in twilight, you know, let me know. Yeah. Yeah, you know oh, what? He, he used the, you know, you don't you don't know what I really go through line. Oh, uh, you catch a ball in the twilight, you let me know. I can't, I know it's hard. He was also the guy who did the, uh, if you're not with us now, then yeah. don't be with us later. Well, okay, that, that you finished fired. last place. Have that, fun, buddy. That backfired. Uh, Terp, <laughs> was uh, Tapia on Instagram or Twitter when he put that Red Sox logo That was on? Instagram. It was Instagram. Okay. So, Ramil Tapia went to the gram and put up a big old Red Sox logo and you know, the reports are, even though the Red Sox haven't confirmed it, that another outfielder is coming in and it's going to be Tapia. He can run fast. We know that. But, boy, talk about throwing another outfielder on the pile here, Christian. Like, yeah. just, who? Just collect some talent. I know that Yoshida's going to be in the lineup. Yep. I think Verdugo is going to be in the lineup. At least I think, or relatively consistently, he'll be in the lineup. And then... You've got all these other pieces. The one thing this does scream to me, and maybe I'm just completely off on this, I know they have position versatility with Kike Hernandez, and the Red Sox have brought in some guys that they think can play in center field, but I wonder if Tapia is coming in, if this is a real indicator that Kike is moving to the infield and that this was a better choice than going to get one of the free agent middle infielders in the mind of Heimboy. See, I think Duvall, the Duvall signing was a was an indicator that they're moving Kike to the infield. Yeah. I mean, he's the center fielder. Like, he's a former gold glove guy. So, like, he had an injury. So Put Tapia with Heffern Reffer, yes. and there's your five outfielders. I think that that's kind of what they're going to do. Okay. And the bigger need, I mean, is shortstop. And you know what you really need? Here's what you really need. It's funny. A hitter? You, you need no. You need a Xander Bogarts type. Oh, where could you find one of? The, oh, that's right. Oh, you have one of those yeah. guys. You know. You know. Yeah. You know. You know. You know. If as long as you had like a Trevor Story type. Oh yeah, that's sorry. Oh yeah. Like talk about like uh-huh. the most important area of a baseball field of an outfield. The middle. Like, the middle. Like think about the hit that you took. Like I mean I know in core is such a defensive minded guy like he takes a lot of pride in that I know it drives him crazy when they give up runs or they just miss routine fly balls or they don't know what the hell they're doing and they they don't communicate it drives him nuts the fact that he's going to have to go into this year not having a strong presence either at second base or shortstop I don't think he wants anything to do with it so I, what I would do is take care of center field we'll deal with that I want a guy that I can count on uh, you know, either at shortstop or second. I think that's Kiki or Kike. Kiki or Kike. Which one is it? <laughs> I feel like it changes all the time. Which one is it? It's Kike. Kike. Some okay. sounds French. Some older Kike. ladies. Some older ladies we know refer to something else as the Kiki. Yeah, if exactly. you know what I mean, right? Like, what, am I going to get fined for saying that? No, no, no. You're, you've covered it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's. I think that's the key, and that just kind of keeps you afloat really so any 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 um anyone signed now one year deal two year deal with an option or whatever like that is just it's almost like just keep us from drowning so to speak because the ball's a one-year deal uh yeah 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 yep they're waiting to, they're honestly it's trying to leg it out until the youngs yep. are ready to really come up a texture out of the 603 says verdugo is going to be traded for a pitcher We'll see on that. And speaking of trades, Chris Cotillo, Mass Live, has the nugget that uh, apparently the Red Sox are getting calls on Tanner Houck. Um, now, Cotillo writes that um, Houck, who uh, had his season cut short due mm-hmm. to back surgery, uh, always easier for a pitcher to build up as a starter than to work in relief and vice versa. 
Um, General Manager Brian O'Halloran said on Tuesday, Tanner's going to come into spring training with a plan to get stretched out. His offseason programming has been geared towards that. We'll see how things play out. Now, I guess it depends on what you could get for Tanner Houck. But I view Tanner Houck as a piece of this roster that they need going into 2020. Okay, so it's interesting the way he phrased that because if you look at just the starting rotation, you look at the guys that are just, just call them like penciled in right now. There's Sale, there's Kluber, there's Paxton, there's Whitlock, Pavetta, and, and Bale. Those are the, I think those are the options. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those guys and you just, and you start with Chris Sale, how reliable is he? Like, what has he done in the last two seasons? James Paxton, basically, they signed him last year and all he did, they basically paid him to rehab. He comes back quick. He throws like, a, you know, like maybe like 10 pitches and then he gets pulled in Fort Myers. Okay. So he's like, you're going to really count on him. You got uh, Nick Pavetta was really the only guy that gave you a solid amount of innings and a solid mm-hmm. amount of starts. Like he's the one guy you can count on. And then you have the young guy, Brian Bayo. So I think like what they decide to do with Tanner Hawk is going to be determined on how these guys look in spring training. If you're like, oh crap, he's not ready. Oh geez, uh, Chris Sale. Oh, he got another rib. Oh, he got sick. Well, that's why we're going to stretch you out with the understanding if these guys fall off and they don't pan out, you're going to start. And if we feel comfortable, well, you know, we've already stretched you out. Now just go to the bullpen. Or maybe we'll trade you. And if you get a spring training injury where you need to go get a piece, Hauk is a guy who's controllable through 2027. He maybe becomes your chip to go get something if there's an injury. Or you look at the roster and go, oh, my God. Yeah. We're abysmal. We need to go get somebody. And explain explain this to me. Wouldn't he be more valuable during the spring if he is already stretched out as a what you would call a starter as opposed to a bullpen guy? Well, I think How would that work? Like, I, where's the value? I think the surgery is is a part of the, the whole plan, and the Red Sox don't completely know what to do with him. Can he crack the rotation? I don't know. He's not going to be the closer because that was the role that he kind of had last year. Well, Kenley Jansen's here. I know, but if it's a so, what if... What would you if you want him if you want to be prepared to trade him if everything goes the way you want is he more valuable as a commodity as a starter Hey guys we stretched him out he can start day one opening you know day he can start It's a good question so, but, or as but, a as an or as a rotational guy out of the bullpen I think the real value for a guy like him is that he's controllable for four years Well that may be it and then you could do whatever you want <laughs> yeah. or five years I don't care then, if he's stretched out or not Bingo yeah, then you can do it. what uh, what you want or what you need to with this guy Don't forget to download the Odyssey app and take us wherever you are Hour two we start with our buddy Andrew Raycroft talking Bruins next.